0: Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor-Teacher Chris Hall. You will take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4. We looked at these verses in kind of an overview last Sunday. This morning we're going to focus on something Jesus said to the woman at the well really is profound that he would discuss with this woman uh, the subject of worship. But what Jesus says to the woman at the well about worship is very profound. And it is very relevant for us today. I know we all want to worship the Lord. And if you have a heart for God and you love the Lord and you want to be what he would have you to be, you want to please Him and uh, you want to live for Him and you know the importance of worship. And So I want to focus on what Jesus had to say about worship this morning and I pray that it will be a blessing to you and uh, as much as it was to me as I prayed about it and looked over it and really kind of focused in on it. And um, may it be an encouragement of, uh, of worshiping God, which should be a daily occurrence Uh, In the life of a Christian, spontaneously there are times when we should just worship the Lord for His goodness and grace. And uh, there should be those planned times of worship as well. I think in heaven, uh, worship of course is going to be wonderful in heaven. And there will be those spontaneous moments of worship and those planned times of worship. So let's read this together. John chapter 4 and uh, I'll start in verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. This is what the woman at the well said to Jesus. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So in his conversation with the Samaritan woman, as Jesus gently deals with her and reaches out to her and uh, expresses God's love for her, even though she was a kind of woman who had done some things that were um, not right in the eyes of God, Jesus loved her. He reached out to her. And in his conversation with uh, the Samaritan woman, Jesus taught about the importance of worship. So I want us to look at this this morning. First of all, I want us to see something that Jesus emphasized in this particular passage, and that is the priority of worship. One of the things that Jesus taught in this passage is that worship is a priority, and it should be a priority, in the life of every Christian. In John 4.23, Jesus said something very interesting and very insightful about worship. Jesus said that the Heavenly Father is seeking those who truly worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking true worshipers. Now that's never said even of soul winners. The Bible never says God is seeking soul winners. Now He want soul winners, but the Bible never makes that statement even about soul winners. And that statement is never made about servants, for instance, those who serve the Lord. But in this particular passage, Jesus said God is seeking Those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, one of the things that that says is this. Nothing in the Christian life is more important than worship. The most effective servants, the most effective soul winners, the most effective Christians, the most joyful Christians, the most useful Christians are those people who know how to worship, and those people who make worship a priority in their life before you can be an effective Christian, a serving Christian, a growing Christian, you must know how to worship God, and you must make worship a priority in your life, not just one day a week. We call Sunday the Lord's Day, but every day is the Lord's Day, (laughs) And Sunday's not the only day of worship. Every day is a day of worship. Now, why did Jesus say that God is seeking those who truly know how to worship Him? Well, the word translated seek has the idea of diligently seeking something. In Luke chapter 15, you might remember that Jesus told a parable about a shepherd. And this shepherd had a hundred sheep. But one of his sheep wandered away. And so Jesus said in that parable that the shepherd secured the 99 sheep and he went seeking and searching for that one sheep who had wandered away. And he diligently sought for that sheep. And he didn't stop until he found that little lamb and he brought him back to the fold. In that same chapter, Jesus told a parable about a woman who had ten valuable coins, and she lost one of the coins. Jesus said the woman lit a lamp, and she searched all through her house, and she didn't stop searching until she finally found that coin. She diligently sought for that which she had lost. That same word is used by Jesus in this passage speaking about god seeking those who truly know how to worship him as the shepherd and the woman diligently sought for what they had lost god is diligently seeking throughout the world for those who truly worship him and the reason god is the reason why god is diligently seeking true worshipers is because true worshipers are rare. Those who know how to truly worship God are hard to find. And so God is diligently seeking throughout the world for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. I wonder when the gaze of God stops on you and me, if God says, ha, There's a true worshiper. So Jesus taught the priority of worship. Second, he taught some about the place of worship. Because the Jews refused to allow the Samaritans to worship with them in the temple in Jerusalem, the Samaritans had built their own temple. They erected their own temple. They built it on a mountain called Mount Gerizim. And so because they were denied entrance into the temple in Jerusalem, they had built their own place of worship. And the woman, the Samaritan woman said, Well, the Jews say that the temple in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. But we Samaritans say that the temple on Mount Gerizim is the place where people ought to worship. What did Jesus say? But Jesus said that the place of worship is not to be identified with or confined to a physical location. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said the place of worship is the human heart. <laughs> Jesus said the day will come when it doesn't matter whether you worship in Jerusalem or you, if you worship on that mountain. God is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, what Jesus is teaching is that the place of worship cannot be identified with just one physical location or confined or identified with one physical location. Do you know where the place of worship is? It's in your heart and in my heart. When Jesus said that God is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth, the word spirit in that particular phrase, doesn't refer to the Holy Spirit. He does refer to that. But in that particular phrase, it doesn't refer to the Holy Spirit. It refers to the human spirit. Here's the kind of worship that God is seeking. God is, is The kind of worship that God is seeking is not the kind of worship that's just the outward, thoughtless, mechanical going through the motions, participation of an order of service at a church on Sunday morning. The worship God is seeking is a true, real, honest, sincere worship that comes from the heart of a person who truly loves God and is devoted to God. And is thankful to God for His blessings. The worship that God is seeking is not a thoughtless, mindless conformity to rituals and ceremonies. True worship comes from the heart. True worship is first inward before it is outward. True worship involves the heart and the head. And the will. And so God is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit. True worship comes from the heart. Just because a person's sitting in church on a Sunday morning, for instance, doesn't necessarily mean that they're worshiping God. Because if you're not worshiping God from your heart, it doesn't matter where you're sitting. Because the true place of worship is the human heart. To worship God in truth means this. It means to worship God in accordance with the truth of His Word. It means to worship God, first of all, based on this truth, that for one to be right with God and for one to be acceptable to God, one must know His Son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior and Lord. As long as a person rejects Christ, they cannot Worship God. And so God is seeking, He's searching over the world. He's looking in Oglethorpe, Montezuma. He's looking all throughout America. He's looking all around the world for true worshipers, for those who worship Him in spirit from their hearts and in truth, those who truly know how to worship Him. You see, if you're not, if you don't know how to worship God and if you don't make worship a priority, you won't be a very effective servant and you won't be a growing Christian. Worship is a priority. In fact, worship is the priority of the Christian life. Because if you're not a person of worship, then you won't be much else in the Christian life. Now what Jesus said in this passage about the temple doesn't mean, as some assume sometimes, that it's not necessary to go to church to worship. You've heard it, I've heard it. Well, I don't have to go to church on Sunday to worship. I can go out on the lake. I can worship the Lord just as good on the lake as I can in the church. And I'll tell you a little secret about that. Those who go on the lake, the last thing on their mind is worshiping God. The Bible says, and you can't worship God on the lake. Sometimes I walk down here to the lake, especially in the afternoon when the sun is setting, and it is so beautiful. Beautiful. Or as a good friend of mine who has a little trouble saying the word beautiful, sometimes he says, man, Brother Chris, that was beautiful." And I'll go down there and I'll look at that and it's beautiful. And I'll praise the Lord and thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him for His grace. You can't worship God on the lake or in the mountains or on the beach or wherever. But the Bible says specifically that Christians are not to forsake the assembling of themselves together. And that includes assembling with other Christians together to worship God. That is a vital part of the growing Christian life. And so what Jesus says about the temple in this passage doesn't mean you don't have to go to church to to worship or you shouldn't go to church to worship. What Jesus teaches in this passage passage is that that a believer's worship of God must not be confined to a church building. And it must not be confined only on Sunday. We are to worship God every day. Worship is to be a way of life for Christians. God is seeking people who will truly worship Him, who want to worship Him, who will worship Him. He's searching, He's seeking diligently all through the world for those who know how to worship Him. When He stops at you, does He say, I found one. I found a true worshiper. You know, I've often wondered if I was in a movie, or if my life was a movie, what would the soundtrack sound like? <laughs> you know? You know, you watch a movie and they got the music in the background, and it enhances the experience of, of watching the movie, and it, you know, it kind of adds to the mood of whatever's happening on the movie. You know, for those who believe in Christ, worship should be the soundtrack of our life. Don't you think? That if if a movie was made of our life, the soundtrack of our life should be worship. And so, in this passage, Jesus talks about the priority of worship and he talks about the place of worship. The place of worship is your heart and mine. Also, what Jesus says in this passage teaches us something about participation in worship. What Jesus said about worship in this passage also teaches that it is very possible, it is very possible. For a person to attend and participate in a church worship service just like this, it's possible for them to sing hymns, it's possible for them to put an offering in the offering plate, it's possible for them to listen to the sermon and still not worship God. And in fact, in numbers we can't even begin to imagine, such a thing happens every Sunday in church buildings all across this country and around the world. Just being in a church building at a particular time on a particular day doesn't necessarily mean you're worshiping God. The words of Isaiah the prophet are very applicable to so many people in church today. In Isaiah 29, 13... The Lord said in that passage, these people come near me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They sing and they express and they give, but their worship is heartless. Their heart is far from me. It is very possible for a person to come to a worship service in a church like this and still not worship God. That happens all the time. If you sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, and you don't mean it, it's not worship. If you sing, for instance, take my life and lead me, Lord, but you don't mean it, that's not worship. Just repeating the words without giving it meaning from your heart, that's not worship. If you give an offering, for instance, but you don't give your offering out of love, and you don't give your offering in faith, and you don't give your offering from your heart, and you don't give your offering in obedience, and you don't give your offering as an act of thanksgiving and praise to God for His goodness and grace, then it doesn't matter how much you give. That's not worship. If you have no interest in hearing a word from God, You have no interest in hearing the message from God's Word that God has laid on the heart of your pastor. And if you tune the preacher out as soon as he starts preaching, and the only prayer you pray while he is preaching is, dear God, don't let him preach too long today. My friend, that's not worship. It is very possible for a person to sit in a church worship service Sunday after Sunday and never worship God. You see, what we don't understand is worship is not a noun. Worship is a verb. Worship is not something that is done to you. Worship is something that you do. Many people have the idea that in a church worship service, the preacher and the choir and the singers, we're the performers. And the congregation is the audience. I mean, that's the way it is. At a concert, for instance, those who are on the stage are the performers and those who are sitting in the audience, well, they're the audience. And the audience's responsibility is to sit there and listen and to enjoy the performance of the performers. And so they assume that's what a church service is all about. But that's all wrong. In a church worship service You're not the audience. God is. God's the audience this morning. And the preacher and the singers may lead in worship. But the point of a church worship service is for you and for me and for all of us to worship God. We have not come before you to worship you. We have come before God to worship Him. The question at the end of this worship service is not how good did Brother Chris do. And it's not how good the choir did. The question at the end of this church worship service today is how good did you do in worshiping God today? How good did you do? God is the audience. We are the worshipers. Now how do you know today, if you've just attended church or if you've truly worshiped God. How do you know? True worship is a life-changing experience. When you truly worship God, it changes you. It draws you closer to God. It opens your mind and your heart to God. It opens your will to God. You have a a greater desire to love Him, a greater desire to serve Him. If you truly worship God, you're not going to leave that experience the same as when you started. If you leave this building today and you are more in love with Jesus than when you came in if you are more grateful to God for His blessings than when you came in, if you are more committed when you leave this worship service today in obeying God and serving Him than when you came in, then you have worshipped God. But if you leave this church worship service today and you're just the same as when you came in, then you've attended church, but you didn't worship See, there's much we need to learn about worship. Worship needs to be a priority in our life. Not just on Sunday. It should be on Sunday. But every day is a day of worship. Doesn't God bless you every day? Doesn't God watch over you every day? Doesn't God provide for you every day? Doesn't God forgive you when you ask Him every day? Doesn't God meet your needs every day? Doesn't God give you every breath you take and every beat of your heart every day? Doesn't God watch over you every day? Then shouldn't you worship Him every day? That's priority. God is seeking those who will make worship a priority. Because if you don't know how to worship and if you don't make worship a priority, you won't be a soul winner. And you won't be an effective servant. And you really won't be somebody that God can use To do great things in His kingdom. You must worship in spirit and in truth. It must be a priority. And the place of worship is not just a building. It is this building. This is a place of worship. It's a beautiful place of worship. It's intended to be that and it should be honored as that. But if you don't worship from your heart, even though you're sitting in a church building just like this, then you're not worshiping. The place of worship is the human heart. And when we come to worship, we can't just mindless in, the, in a church. We can't mindlessly and thoughtlessly just follow the order of service and our minds are a million miles away while we're singing this. And, and sometimes I, you know, sometimes I think maybe, and just this is giving God a human emotion that is not applicable to, to God. But if God could be embarrassed, I think sometimes God would be embarrassed by how we worship Him. We drag it. We kind of limp through it. We have no passion, no zeal. Our minds are on how long it's going to take and when we can get out. We just kind of go through the thing and we can, we can feel good about ourselves that we came to church. So we've seen the priority of worship and the place of worship and participation in worship. Jesus also teaches us something about preconditions for worship. Jesus made it clear in this passage that no matter how elaborate and impressive the worship of the Samaritans may have been in their temple, their worship was not acceptable to God. Do you know that all, not all that is called worship is acceptable to God? And Jesus said... The worship that was going on in the temple in Mount Gerizim, even though it may have been elaborate, (laughs) it was not acceptable. Why didn't God accept the worship of the Samaritans? Jesus said that God didn't accept their worship because they didn't know him. They had no relationship with the one true God. Jesus told the woman at the well, you worship what you do not know. There are certain preconditions to worship that is acceptable to God. The first one is this, to worship God, you must know Him. You must have a personal relationship with Him. If you don't know God, then your worship is in vain. If you don't have a personal relationship with God, you can sing Amazing Grace all you want to. Your worship is in vain. The only way you can know God is by turning from your sins and receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Worship that comes from the lips of a person, the heart of a person who rejects Christ is never, is never acceptable to God. And so to have, to worship God in an acceptable way, you must know Him. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is one of the most hated truths in all of the Bible in the modern world by those who don't believe in Christ. Because it declares this truth. No one comes to the Father except through faith in Jesus Christ. And no one can come to the Father in worship. That is acceptable. Except through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 5, 23, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I talked to somebody one time and they said, Well, I love God, but I don't accept Jesus. That's not possible. Because to reject Jesus is to reject the Father. To reject Jesus is to reject the Spirit. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. 1 John 2, 23, no one who denies the Son can have the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. You can't have a relationship with God as long as you deny Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. In 1 John 5, 11, and 12, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And where can you find eternal life? This life is in His Son. And the one who has the Son has life, but the one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. There is a precondition to worship. You must know God. And to know God, you must know Christ as your Savior and Lord. And so today, in in temples all over the world, there is elaborate worship going on and impressive worship going on. But it is all in vain. Because as long as a person refused to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their worship will never be acceptable to God. Another precondition to acceptable worship is God will not accept, and he's made it very clear in his word, God will not accept half-hearted, mechanical, lukewarm, thoughtless, just going through the motions so-called worship. He will not accept that. These people draw near me with their mouth. They sing amazing grace. (laughs) They honor me with their lips. Blessed assurance. But their hearts are far from me. Revelation 3.16. Speaking to Christians. Jesus said, because you were lukewarm, and that includes their worship. You're neither cold nor hot. You just kind of go through the motions of whatever you're doing. Jesus said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And that's a literal interpretation of what he said. God will not accept passionless, zealous, heartless, thoughtless, lukewarm, going through the motions worship. He will not. And in fact, in Malachi's day, God told God pleaded with somebody in the temple in Malachi's day to please shut the doors of the temple because the worship that was going on in the temple at that time was not pleasing to him because it was com- coming from disobedient hearts and people just going through the motions, thinking that they were doing God a favor by doing what they were doing. Another precondition to acceptable worship is God will not accept worship that comes from an unclean heart that is holding on to sin. Isaiah 59, 2. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. You can't come before God. Holding on to sin in your life. Refusing to confess. Confess. Refusing to repent. You know you got it there. You know you know what you're doing. And yet you come before God to worship Him with known unrepentant sin in your life. God will not accept that worship. That comes from an unclean heart that is holding on to sin. Revival would happen in the church of America today if God's people would just repent of their sin. And get right with Him. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard, that is if I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And God's not going to accept worship that comes from an unclean heart, an unrepentant heart. Another precondition to acceptable worship is God will not accept worship that comes from an unforgiving heart. That is one specific area that Jesus especially focused in on in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar to worship God, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and worship God will not accept uh, uh, accept worship from an unforgiving heart. He will not. And you know, Christians will go through all kinds of gyrations to make excuses for why they're not forgiving somebody. And they'll make all kinds of excuses, and they're pretty well satisfied that God understands their situation. And why they find it necessary. And even God would smile upon the reason why they're not forgiving. I want to tell you, we must forgive. (laughs) You can't hold a grudge. You can't hold unforgiveness in your heart and expect God to accept worship that comes from an unforgiving heart. And you say, Brother Chris, it's hard to forgive. Yes, it is, isn't it? Been there and done that. And you know what you have to do? You have to pray to God till you get that old mess out of your heart. You just have to. I don't know any other way to do it. I tell you, trying to find a forgiving spirit in your heart is a messy, terrible thing that you have to go through. Because your human spirit says, I got to get even, and they'll not get away with it, and I got to get them. But then the Spirit of God says, You must forgive. And so you you have that wrestling match going on inside of you and you have to fight and you have to struggle and you have to come before God and you have to hang it, let it all out and you have to ask God to have mercy on you and help you to forgive like His Word teaches. And here's what I've discovered. You hang in there long enough and you pray that prayer long enough and God will give you a forgiving heart. He'll help you to forgive. See, there are certain preconditions to worship. You have to know God. And you have to worship God with zeal. You know, the psalmist kept saying, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Enter into His presence with thanksgiving. Praise Him from your heart. And we come dragging in as if we've gone to a funeral. Sometimes in some worship services, I have to look around and wonder who died. Where's the corpse? And I'm just as guilty as you. I'm not standing in judgment of anybody. I'm just as guilty as you at times in my own life. God wants us to have zeal for him. We've seen the priority and the place and the participation and the precondition. And guess what? I got one more P. Is that all right? And that's the preparation of worship. If you were invited to come into the presence of the President of the United States, no matter who he is or she is, one of these days maybe, and you received an invitation to come into the presence of somebody famous, like a powerful like the President, President, for instance, man, you'd think about that and you'd pick out what you wanted to wear and and you'd think about what you were going to say and you'd ask people, what am I supposed to say and how am I supposed to do you wouldn't just come stumbling into the presence of, a, of the president in your, your cut-up jeans and all dirty, and you, you, just, you just wouldn't do that. Now, would you? Now, would you? You'd make preparation for that meeting. I read a story about Harry Truman one time. He was out somewhere in the West, and, and uh, he, was, he was visiting, and he read a story in the local newspaper about some young kid that had done something and and it was kind of notable and President Truman read it. And he decided he wanted to stop by where this kid lived and meet with the kid and just take, shake hands with him and talk with him for a minute. Unannounced, the presidential motorcade pulled up to this house. (laughs) And President Truman, accompanied by the Secret Service, knocked on the door. The man opened the door and he was in his underwear. The daddy of this boy. And he just couldn't believe it. He was totally unprepared. If you're going to come into the presence of God and worship, you need to be ready. How do you get ready? Well, true worship requires a heart that is committed to purity and holiness. Before we worship God, we should ask God. Lord, help me to search my life. Help me to do an inventory of my life. Help me to see if there's any sinful habit in my life, any sinful action, any sinful attitude that I need to confess and repent of. The psalmist said it like this: Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. That ought to be your prayer. Oh God. I know I'm a sinner. I'm saved, but I know I've still got junk in my life, and I know I can still sin. And I don't want there to be anything in my life that's not pleasing to you, any kind of thought, any kind of habit, any kind of thing. Please help me to see it because I can see the sins of other people a mile off, but sometimes I can't even see my own sin. God help me. I want to be clean. second thing you need to do to prepare yourself for worship. Worship requires a heart of thanksgiving and praise to God. (laughs) Worship requires a heart of thanksgiving and praise. We should be thankful to God for His blessings, His goodness, His grace. So as we enter into worship, we should ask God to tune our hearts to sing His praise. God loves to hear you sing. I may not love to hear you sing, but God does. Nobody else may love to hear you sing, but God does. Man is the only creature God created with the ability to sing like we sing. And when you come into the Lord's presence, you should come into His presence with thanksgiving. You know, sometimes we get that old ungrateful mess in our life. You ever get ungrateful and unthankful? And all you can see is negative and what's wrong in your life. (laughs) When we come into His presence, even if we're hurting, even if we got stuff going on, shouldn't we enter into His presence with praise and thanksgiving? True worship requires a heart and a mind and a life that is open to God, that is listening to God. You who have ears to hear, let Him hear. When you come into worship, oh God, speak for your servant is listening. Worship requires a heart that is surrendered to his will, to his purpose, to his guidance, to his direction. As you enter into worship, here's a good prayer. Here's a good statement. It comes from Mary, the mother of Jesus. When Gabriel said you're going to be the mother of the Messiah, here's what Mary said. Behold, the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. Shouldn't that be what we say in worship? Oh God, I'm your servant. I'm your slave. I'm not a star. I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a servant. I am a slave. I have been saved by grace. Let it be according to your will. May your will be done in my life. That's worship. You cannot worship God if you don't know him if you don't have a relationship with him. As long as a person rejects his son, he can't be saved. And as long as you're you're not a Christian, don't know Christ, you can't worship. And so this week, I want you to practice on your worship. Practice on your worship. In the morning, in the evening, whenever it might be, why don't you practice on your worship? And thank him. And praise Him. And by the way, here's another concept, an axiom of worship. Sunday worship is a reflection of how you worship during the week. That's true for a congregation as a whole and individual Christians. How you worship on Sunday is a reflection of how you worship God during the week. And so your your assignment this week is to make worship a priority. Just, just worship the Lord. Sing Him a concert. Thank Him for His goodness. Be brutally honest with Him about your, your failures and your sins. Ask Him to help you. Come before the Lord and worship Him. God's seeking for true worshipers when He stops on you. does He say, I found one. I found one. I found somebody who truly worships me. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truth for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.